Hello, everyone. Welcome to Reservations. We're your hosts. I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Tyler Durden. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which means you're not real. Yeah. <gasps> Wait, have I been doing this podcast alone this whole time? Yeah. <gasps> Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I'm the. It makes perfect sense because I do believe that if we were in a Fight Club situation, I would be the Tyler Durden and you would be. I would be Ed Norton. Yeah, you would be Ed Norton, the narrator. Yeah. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, well, welcome back, everyone, after a uh, week and a half, about a week gap. Um, as if any of you watched our update video, uh, I had to go away for training. Um, we started our new short film project with our buddy Alex Horton, which uh, was a lot of fun. That was fun. Very, um, very, I think that was the most cardio I've done in a while. <laughs> But, I mean, you know, I wasn't, like, dying after we were done. That's actually not true. He was... You were dying. Nah. Yeah. You were no. sucking wind like no one else. It was sucking crazy, wind. dude. You're... you're uh, you, you need to run more or something. <laughs> I know. I've been meaning to. I told myself after I got back from the training, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to wake up early, uh, take my pre-workout, and go on a run. And Pre-workout's basically legal cocaine. So. I know. And I guess because I haven't done cocaine enough, uh, I don't know when it hits. Oh, yeah. So it's pretty much immediate. Anyway, but uh, welcome back, everyone. Um, this is this is an exciting time. We are in the series of the finale of, of season four. Yeah, the home stretch for season yeah. four. Um, doesn't feel like season four started that long ago. No, but you know, we. I think what it is is we just stay so on top of it, right? Yeah, that's true. Except for this last week, you know, we usually just you know just boom, get them all done. So, yeah, yeah, I, I see what you mean. But um, we started. I don't remember what we started the season with, but um, um, season. Oh, we started with children to men. See, that was forever ago. See, if you think about it like that, if you think about like what we started with, and it was children of men, that was so long ago. So I know. Damn. But yeah, um, so as Jeremy mentioned now two weeks ago, um, this series uh, was his pick, um, and it is the collaboration, and this is what you said, collaboration and friendship between Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, and Joe Pesci, and we're starting with Raging Bull. Yeah, Raging Bull. Which uh, I pulled to you for the first time. I watched it today. <laughs> Normally, I watch it the day before so I yeah. can really think about what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind I of slacked so off. I watched it. I watched it last night, and then I watched it again this morning. Or <laughs> morning, I wasn't up this morning. Uh, then I watched it again today with commentary. So I uh, I watched it twice. Yeah, I um, I really enjoyed it. For the first, I mean, this is the first time I've ever seen it. Uh, I really okay. enjoyed it. I really. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I really want to talk about. Um, first, I just gotta say, man, Robert De Niro at 37 years old, bro, he was a hottie with a body. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yep. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, yeah, dude, dude got uh, dude got shredded for this, and, uh, and then put on a bunch of weight for it. <laughs> yeah, uh, he did, and we'll talk about this in a minute. Maybe we just do it right now. Um, he had the record uh, for weight gain for a film until 19. 19- 87. Uh, I wrote it down. Um, really? Would you like to know who beat him? Let me guess. Okay. 1987. Mm-hmm. 
Trying to think of a, a movie where someone would have to gain weight for a role. It's not obvious. Okay, then go ahead and tell me. Uh, it's Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh. Uh, he gained over 60 pounds for um, Full Metal Jacket. God damn it. As soon as you said Vincent D'Onofrio, I was like, it's probably yeah. for Full Metal Jacket. And I, I was talking to Dad about it, and I was like, you know what the difference is? And Dad, he, he didn't even let me. He wasn't going to humor me, so I can say it. He goes, huh, uh, Robert De Niro took the weight back off. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's the difference. Because Vincent D'Onofrio really lost the weight again. So. I mean, he kind of trimmed up a little bit for some films, but... But much like De Niro, as they got older, Vincent just never... I mean, now he's perpetually kingpin. Yeah. He's kingpin all the time now. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, but yeah, man. Um, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's a, it's a, it's a good one. Yeah, I, there, there was a lot of things that I was like, wow. So, and I had to keep checking, like, when was this movie made? 1980? Mm-hmm. Because it didn't, it didn't feel... Like a film that was made in 1980. I think a lot of that has to do with the, the black and white. I think so. Too. Cinematography. Um, and they, I guess we can start with that. So they chose uh, black and white for a few reasons. One, um, at the time, there were a lot of boxing movies coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, I read this one today. Okay, yeah. And so they, they wanted it to be different than those. Right? Yeah, they especially don't it, Rocky. Right, exactly. And so they wanted it to be different than that. Um, in the book... Jake LaMotta refers to his memories as old black and white film. Mm. And also it fits with the period uh, of the 40s and 50s. Yeah. And so um, all that put together, you get, you know, unanimous, let's do it in black and white. Mm -hmm. And I I think it really, really helps uh, the film. Um, I, I think it places it in a certain time and place and it doesn't distract you. Right. Oh, yeah. And also, I mean, we'll do this movie eventually but in Taxi Driver uh, Scorsese had to change the uh, the color timing at the very end of Taxi Driver because he didn't want to get an X rating uh, for the amount of blood mm. uh, so if you change uh, the color just a little bit so it's not realistic looking blood you can get away with it ah. and so uh, there's not a whole lot of blood in this movie but um, it would be overwhelming the the times where there is a lot of blood yeah, especially in some of the fights yeah right um and so that would have just have been and just like hitchcock he used uh Hirsch. yeah, yeah i also chocolate. read that today too yeah that not uh, the only hitchcock thing he did and we'll we'll get to that but yeah you know i think with the black and white it, it, it gave it this feel of it was made in the 40s and the 50s um and i agree it wasn't uh, you know, it, it, it really, it really kind of kept you in the movie. I felt like if it were in color, I still feel like it would have been a great movie. Yeah, I mean, it's still Scorsese, it's still De Niro. So. I just don't think it would have been as powerful as it was uh, because I was also when I was doing my reading uh, after the movie was over, uh, I found out that in 2016 they made another. Jake LaMotta movie mm-hmm. called The Bronx Bull with uh, William Forsyth as Jake LaMotta and judging by the poster I was like this does not look like a good movie no and apparently it was not well I mean what the big thing that would separate the two is they have Jake LaMotta for Raging Bull he was uh, mm-hmm. consulting on the the fights 
Um, once they finished all the fight scenes, uh, they filmed all of those, uh, they told Jake to, he can go. Because the rest of it is going to be, you know, personal stuff and about his life. And it would be impossible to do it exactly like it happened. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have to take dramatic license. And I think that, you know, they were telling him, you would want to chime in. You can go. And, he, and Jake goes, absolutely, I'll see you in a year. And when the movie comes out. So uh, he left and they uh, did all of the other stuff. All of the um, personal life of Jake LaMotta. You know, and kind of touching on the personal life stuff, it felt very intimate. Yeah, I mean, it's they chose really small places architecturally to mm-hmm. shoot, um, especially when he has white, uh, fights with Vicky. Mm-hmm. Um, like when she goes into the bathroom, she can only stand in the tub because it's so small, yeah. right? And when you put the camera in the corner, there is no room. And so um, it does feel very intimate, very close, um, especially with every scene De Niro and Pesci share together. Oh, yeah. Um, Pesci, he had done a couple of stuff before this, but he really didn't feel like acting was his thing. He was going to stop doing it. Yeah, I read that he, before this, he was having a lot of trouble yeah, and, getting roles. And uh, De Niro saw him in some short film on some weird channel or whatever, uh, or maybe he was in a movie or something, and he really liked him. Yeah. And so he told Scorsese, who he had already pitched in this idea um, for Raging Bull. And he goes, that's Joey. That's going to be the guy. You know, we got to get this guy. And this will become a pattern later, but they had to convince Joe to do it, to do it. They, and that always happens. Like they, they asked him a few times and then he finally said, fine. So it's not like a, I think you'd be perfect for this. Come do it. Oh, okay. No, it's, it's uh, like, I don't know. I don't know. In, and that's kind of... That seems like a very Joe Pesci thing to do. that's Pesci's life. I mean, he's always been that way. And especially when we get to our final film, they asked him for years. Really? Yeah. Because yeah, I feel retired. like I really hadn't seen him anything in, in, in the later 2000s. Took a big break. Yeah. It took a long break because he just retired. Because he... You know, this was never his passion, right? Mm-hmm. Starting from Raging Bull, right? Um, this was not something he wanted to pursue, you know, long term. Which is which is so crazy because I I, I think Joe is a a fantastic yeah. actor in his own right. Pesci's amazing, and I, a lot of what I love about him is uh, not only his his emotional stature, which he's terrifying, right? Yeah, uh, and he's very small, <laughs> but he is the most terrifying person, right? When he gets super angry and we'll see this in the other films that we do mm-hmm. that he's absolutely terrifying. But I have an affinity for Brooklyn accents. I love it. I love hearing people talk in a thick Brooklyn New York accent. Mm. And that's Pesci all the way and it's De Niro all the way. Oh yeah. And and a little bit Scorsese. His isn't as thick, so when I'm listening to the commentary, especially now that he's older, he sort of lost a little bit of it. But. Yeah, I was gonna say you know, with him, he's in his seventies, right? Yeah, you know, I, I can barely hear it right. now. But I mean, it used to be really thick, um, especially like when he's in Taxi Driver and stuff like that. Um, but I just love hearing the two of them talk back and forth, and uh, Joe Pesci makes swearing sound so. <laughs> I mean, it just, it flows so well because, like, it's almost the first line of dialogue. 
Yeah. Is uh, yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, it was like, do we come all the way to fucking Cincinnati? <laughs> you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and it just goes, and so for the first, I don't know, two thirds of the movie, um, De Niro doesn't swear, not really. Yeah. Um, he, he he doesn't have to, right? It, he is. He knows what he's about he knows his skill level so if he gets in an altercation he doesn't need to use his language he mm-hmm. just needs to stand there because you know he's a boxer right, right. and and so he's sort of they, they sort of are opposites in that sense mm-hmm. um but again this is this starts their their relationship and collaboration and friendship and they've been friends ever since this yeah i i was reading that you know, Martin really wanted them to to behave like brothers. So, like, they he got them together. And after that, they just stayed friends ever yeah. since. Uh, I wonder if... Because uh, you know I had to do it. I was going to mention it at least once during the series. Here we go. Yeah. I got a beard hair in my mouth. Um, I wonder if uh, Robert gave him any pointers for Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone 1 or 2. Well, uh, I do know... I know that Joe this secluded is, himself from Macaulay to really, like, amp up the bad guy oh, that's thing. interesting. I, the only thing I really remember about Joe Pesci in Home Alone is that he had to, you know, Donald Duck swear because he because he would, like, all-out swear. And they're like, kids movie, Joe. Let's do it again. And, you know, Chris Columbus was like, please stop. Love it, Joe. Kids movie. All right, let's oh, do it one more time. All right, Joe, uh... One more time. So he has to do um, sort of that Donald Duck. Uh, <laughs> which makes it so much fun. Anyway, this we're not talking about Home Alone. Thank God. I was just want. I just think it'd be funny if Joe calls up Robert and like, you know, so I'm playing this burglar, right? What would you do? There's no way. There's no way. But uh, anyway, back to Rachel. So um, what Joe Pesci brought in... Um, uh, Frank Vincent. So Frank Vincent is uh, the main guy of Joe's little side group of friends. Uh, of the mafia. really gets under LaMotta's skin, mm-hmm. right? Um, and he will become this sort of antagonist uh, in the other movies we're going to do uh, okay. in this series. So this is not the first time we'll see Frank Vincent. We're going to see him two more times. Um if we're good and once if we're bad, right? Uh, just kidding. That was a Mahalan Drive reference. Anyway, um, call back. So we we'll see him again, and mm-hmm. he sort of really plays this sort of douchey asshole uh, prick character very well. No, oh, yeah. Uh, so we'll see him again. Uh, but they were friends before this, and so uh, Pesci brought him on to the movie, and I think he is fantastic in this yeah. because he really does. He personifies. All of Jake LaMotta's uh, insecurities, paranoia, and, and you know his um, his sort of wariness of others, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to Vicky. Oh yeah. Um, which I I hadn't really I never clocked it before, but when I watched it this time, I was like, oh, she's fifteen. That's gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, because um, you know, and she was actually seventeen. The that actress. Real, yeah. Wow. Um. Yeah, yeah, I think I kept forgetting it too, especially when you know that big fight happens when when Jake's off training, um, 
And uh, Joey's talking to her, and she's like, what, I'm 20? I, I would just want to go out and get a drink. And I'm like, oh, that's oh, right. 20. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm like, oh, gross. Yeah, gross. Um, let's break for a second, and let's talk about the, the fight scenes, mm-hmm. uh, which are my favorite part of the movie. And I would argue it's Scorsese's least favorite. Really? Um, Scorsese at first didn't want to do this movie because he doesn't like sports. I, I read that right? too today. Uh, it was when um, he was in the hospital mm-hmm. after a almost overdose. Cocaine overdose, yeah. Because, uh, you know, all those all those new direct, all the new Hollywood directors in the 70s were doing that cocaine. Yeah, a little side fact about uh, Scorsese is he at this time was friends with and still is. I mean, it's not like they're not friends anymore, but uh, they created Zotrope Productions um, with De Palma. Oh, shit. Uh, with Lucas, with Spielberg, with, I mean, mm. these guys. Yeah, they were they were the Coppola. new Hollywood. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they these were the guys Hollywood. were the, the plastics, to use a, uh, a modern day term, um, of Hollywood. These yep. guys were it. And they had the stuff to prove it because, I mean, these guys were dynamic filmmakers who could not miss at this point in their, in their yeah. careers. Yeah. Um, little sidebar, everyone. Uh, when I watched that Orson Welles documentary. Okay, yeah. They talked about the new Hollywood, you know, and I and they mentioned Spielberg and Coppola. I was like, yeah, I know all this because, you know, Lucas had done THX mm-hmm. uh, 113 and American Graffiti. He hadn't even started Star Wars yet. But even with American Graffiti, he hit a home run. Right. Like right off the bat. Uh, Spielberg had Jaws by this point. Um, and, of course, Coppola... Had the Godfather. Had Godfather 1 and 2. And 2, yeah. yeah. Um, Brian De Palma. De Palma had done a bunch of stuff. So he actually uh, started his career in the early 60s with De Niro. De Niro is in all of his early work. Really? Yeah. Uh, Arrow Video has a collection of three De Palma De Niro films from the early 60s. Okay. Um, but yeah, but the point being... These guys were the new Hollywood. They were all doing cocaine, except for Lucas and Spielberg, which I think they were high on something else. Mm. You know, to come up with a you know an alien that could heal you with his touch and <laughs> a big galactic space opera. Right. These dudes were on to something else, but everyone was else was doing cocaine. Anyway, uh, but yeah, I read that Robert came and visited him in the hospital and was really like. You got to do this, and so Raging Bull saved his career and his life. Yeah. I think. Yeah, I read. Yeah, I read that Scorsese, among with a lot of other people, credit Robert De Niro's per- persistence of wanting to make this movie saved his life. Right, because they they had worked together before. Obviously, Mean Streets, Taxi Driver, New York, New York, and uh, this one he goes, "Hey, let's do a let's do a boxing movie," and Scorsese's like, "I don't know anything about boxing. I don't like sports." You know, he goes, read the book, right? And go see a, and go see a boxing match, right? And so he goes, and there are two things, and I'm sure you read this, two things that Scorsese really gravitated to and said, all right, I'm in. When he goes to see a boxing match is um, when they're sponging <clears throat> the boxer's backs um, and there's blood already in the water bucket. Mm-hmm. And so all this watery blood is all over their back, right? He really liked... Um, how that looked, right? Right. And then blood dripping from the ropes. Yep. Uh, And we get both of those in the film uh, because he was just so taken by these images and he knew exactly 
what this movie needs to look like, right? Mm-hmm. As soon as he saw that. He goes, this is what boxing is? <laughs> I'm in, you know? Yeah. And, of course, he had to learn a lot about boxing for this, you know, working with De Niro, getting him trained with LaMotta. Which I thought was really cool. Yeah. That LaMotta. at the end, LaMotta's like, this guy could do it. De Niro could become a I professional like I boxer. I read that De Niro did a few boxing matches and, 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 won and won a few. Two out of three. Yeah. yeah. He uh, he did three actual boxing matches and won two of them. So he could, I mean, he could have gone on to be a boxer, you know what I mean? Yeah, but at this time, like I said, he was a hottie with the body. He yeah. Couldn't, couldn't mess up that face. No. No. Unlike poor uh, Mickey Rourke. Oh, boy. Um, and so... <laughs> And so what I what I most love about the the fight scenes is this is the first time that it's a hundred percent shot in the ring. Yeah, they don't do that. Um, Rocky did like five or six cameras for coverage outside the ring, mm-hmm. right? And it, it lacks that intimacy. It lacks the the you know the sort of human connection to the sport. Yeah, I read that the reason why Scorsese chose that was because he he was he he was like the camera is a third boxer. Yeah, it's there. We're seeing it, which I liked because to be honest, Rocky is my least favorite. Stallone movie. Okay. I think Rambo is probably one of his best movies. The first one. Uh, even though everyone says the second one. Anyway. Uh, I just... Uh, Rocky never really... Never really sold me. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I haven't seen a lot of boxing movies in my life. But I really, I really liked this so much more. Yeah, I mean, the, the reason why most people at the time don't shoot in the ring is because how hard it is. It's technically really hard and complicated and because you have to get the choreography down, but then you have to get the choreography down while weaving in and out a camera, right? Um, So Scorsese did a couple of things that were really neat where um, to show sort of a distorted view of these boxing matches and one of them he cut the ring into four pieces, spread it out, and laid a new uh, floor on it mm-hmm. to make it bigger than regulation size mm-hmm. uh, so to give a distorted the- view, right? So, because uh, he was explaining that uh, some people think it was just a wider lens, and that's not true. It's just a big ring, right? Right. Uh, to give this sort of... Um, I keep saying distorted view, but uh, a sort of surrealistic view of this boxing match that isn't going quite well for um, for Jake, right? Right. He would also, um, oh man, there's a bunch of stuff he did, but he, um, he, oh, this was my favorite. So, and I have it written down. I don't remember which fight it was, or but you'll recognize it because it was shot super long lenses, okay, and they put a flame in front of the lens to give the wavy sort of desert-like look. Uh-huh. Right? And uh, and so amongst the smoke and amongst the uh, the waves in front of the lens gives the, gives the overall scope a, a very, you know, sort of uh, wavy, again, distorted <laughs> uh, look because he lost the fight even though he knocked him down like twice right and so um it was to show that is that the one is that his second fight with sugar ray sugar ray i think so because they um because he knocked him down right it was one of the only times sugar ray ever got knocked down um 
injected it the other time also. But uh, it was to show that this is this this isn't real. Like, what what do you mean he lost? Right, and it's supposed to show Jake's and Joey's sort of confusion and uh, disorientation with the fact that he lost. Uh-huh. And I love the the physical way they show that with the camera. Yeah. Right. And of course, the other ones are just, you know, just so dynamic and so raw with, you know, being in the ring with them. Uh, yeah. I love. You know, it's crazy. This movie came out in 1980 uh, when The Shining also came out. Yeah. I mean, probably different months, but in the same year. And so we get one movie, Raging Bull, with where Scorsese's like, nah, we're going to do a boxing movie and we're going to be in the ring. And then we get The Shining where we get the first ever steady cam. And it's just so crazy that 1980 was... Well, one of the first. Well, yeah. But it was just so crazy that in the 80s, we're getting these... And we do get a steady cam shot in Raging Bull, uh, where he uh, is in the tunnel, and we follow him all the way to the ring and through oh, yeah. the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. So we get and, that and, and steady And it sweeps around him, and we get him yeah. from, from the back, too. Right, right, right. So that was a rad shot. Yeah. Um, so I said my favorite was. What is it? Oh, my favorite thing about it is he's in the ring, um, shooting uh, the fights. But what I really love is that um, not necessarily when he's taking the dive, but when in one of the fights he is uh, not fighting back uh, for for a while. Uh, Until he, in the 13th round, he just gave it his all in one. Right? It's it's when he was defending his, his, uh, his, title. Uh, his middleweight title. Yeah. And, um, and so Scorsese, while he is, as he put it, playing possum and just standing there, we're outside the ring. Mm-hmm. Right? And it's one of the only few times we're filming through the ropes. And then once he decides in round 13 to just go after it, we're back in. Right. Right. So it's almost this if he's not trying, we're not going to be in the ring. But once he's, you know, giving it his all, his heart's in it, we're back in. Yeah. Right? Especially with the fight against, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's it, it's the guy that he didn't like that his wife, that Vicky called him good looking. Mm, yeah. And it's just very intimate because we're right there uh and he's he's really trying to to fuck this guy up yeah and he does but uh you know it's just so i I just really loved that especially for that fight where the camera's right next to both their faces yeah uh yeah i want to save i want to save the last fight with sugar right till the end because i i love how that was shot Oh, and yeah. it's shot differently than the other ones um, because it's his last one and because it's Sugar Ray and because um, he loses, right? Yeah. Uh, but we'll get that out. Um, um, I really want to talk about how we're following Jake and he's our hero, but he is not the nicest person. <laughs> no, and what's, what's funny is he even mentions that when he loses by default... Um, and Joey is so upset, and they're in the locker room, and God, they're upset. He goes, well, you know what? I've done a lot of bad things in my life. Maybe I don't deserve it, mm-hmm. right? 
And it's so weird that he has that sort of self-awareness and that clarity so early on, but he doesn't ever do anything about it because he only gets worse. Yeah. Right. You know, he, 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 he's very suspicious of Vicky, which kind of, I mean, maybe if they, maybe the film was a little longer, maybe they could have touched on it because I feel like it came out of nowhere. That he's just so suspicious of her. And I think he's just suspicious all the time, right? Yeah. And it's sort of uh, personified with Vicky, right? Almost like his his paranoia and hatred um, for everybody else is personified uh, with Frank Vincent's character. Right. Um, I think that, you know, obviously they, they can't show everything. They mm-hmm. can't touch on every aspect of his life, but they can personify those two really main things, his rage his paranoia and his suspicions and uh, they can yeah. do that with these two characters for sure oh yeah yeah because I was reading that you know <laughs> when the real Jake LaMotta saw the movie he finally realized like wow I'm not a nice person and uh, apparently asked his real ex-wife Vicky you know was I was I ever like that and her response kind of floored me. I was like, wow. Uh, she said he was worse. Worse, yeah. Which yeah, I read that. Which means that for the film, they toned him down. Yeah, a little bit. Um, or that's how Robert chose to play him. Yeah, because we, we get that first interaction with his first wife, uh, and he is just so horrible to her, mm-hmm. right? And they're yelling at her about the, about the steak. Yeah. And, I mean, I agree. I don't like burnt steak. But, um, so, maybe she had it coming. But, uh, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) uh, But here's here's what's interesting about Jake's character as a character, right? Not really just as a person, but as a character. He, uh, once he gets what he wants, what he's always wanted, which was that belt, right? Mm -hmm. He finally achieved that. He's been so horrible to people while he's been working for that, right? Mm -hmm. But once he achieves his goal and he really stops working as hard, right? Mm -hmm. He's gaining weight. He's eating more. He doubles down and makes everyone else's life even more miserable and tries to destroy the life that he has built after he's achieved his goal, right? It's almost like there's nowhere else to go. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, what's kind of funny is uh, Joe Pesci even mentions this because, you know, Vicky is like, you know, I can't, I can't do anything without you two up my ass. And, you know, he's like, you know, once, once he gets that belt, it'll be fine. I promise. I promise. And it's not, mm-hmm. uh, especially that when that erupts, when he, when Jake is convinced that she was sleeping around yeah. and goes and beats the shit out of Joey. And it's never... It's never confirmed, right? Because yeah. even her, quote, confession isn't. Yeah. Because she's just like, is that what you want to hear? Yeah. Right? And that's all he needed to hear to be convinced, right? Um, and uh, in, in Joey's defense, uh, Pesci's character, is he is he doesn't want to answer the question because, you know, it, it, it I do believe him that he's just like, I'm not going to answer. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, a simple no... Yeah, but he's so offended by the question. Yeah, that his own brother would think that. Right. That you really think I would have slept with your wife? Right. But I agree. Like, yeah, a simple no would have sufficed. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to give the question the satisfaction of an answer. Exactly. And, you so, know. and so I, I do find myself believing 
Vicky and Joey. And I, I don't think that anything. I don't happened. think they did either. Um, I, I think. I think at that point in Jake's life, he he's just so. I think you agreed. Like he got the belt. Now there's no really where to go. Yeah. So what do I do? Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna double down on my paranoia. Double yeah, down. He spent his whole career working for something, mm. and once he has it. He realized it didn't fix anything, maybe, you know, no. or it didn't make his life any better. You know, he's he's still Jake. He's still the same person. Nothing has changed. Out of curiosity, sure. do you know what he says to her to get her to stay? Because I'm going to be honest, while I was watching the movie, I had a hard time hearing a lot of things. So I had to crank my TV up almost to 100 like max volume at one point because I just could not hear. No, I didn't. Anything. Uh, I didn't. Uh, but eventually he does, and she doesn't stay for that long. But um, well, yeah, you, you kind of get the idea that things are okay-ish. Like after his fight, where I guess he wins again. Yeah, because he made up with Vicky, but not Joey. Right. Yeah, he doesn't that's... see Joey again until he looks like Tony Shalhoub. Um, <laughs> He does. Oh, my God. Yeah, he looks exactly like Tony Shalhoub. Not a knock against either of those people. I just no, think Tony's that great, but... I just think, as soon as I saw him, I was like, he looks like Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Tony Shalhoub. You know? Wait, when did Tony Shalhoub come into play, yeah. Joey? <laughs> now, where uh, Robert De Niro gained weight, uh, Pesci lost weight um, for the older LaMotta brothers. Really? Mm. Well, because I guess Joey would have to... I mean, you know, he just needs to show that he's older, and you yeah, know, he he figured, yeah, you know, yeah, you know, because that's probably what his brother looked like. I don't know. You know, most, you know, most old people, it's either one or two things: you lose a bunch of weight or you gain a bunch of weight. Um, and yeah, man, when when I was actually really now, did did they did they put Robert in a fat suit because? Towards the end, he really got big. Yeah. Robert really gained all that weight. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, 60 pounds. And, you know, and, and, you know, you wouldn't think 60 pounds would do that much, but his face is well, chubby. and they and shot it really fast. They weren't going to shoot it as fast as they did, but, I mean, it was really, it was killing him. I mean, it was really tough uh, so, gaining all that weight. So did they shoot the weight gain stuff first? No, and, no, no, no. And, but once they, once he gained the weight, they shot it as fast as they could so he could start losing it again. Um, again you think, you think they would have shot the, 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 him being slim first? Well, they did. They, oh, okay. they shot all of that first. So, oh, oh, so the, oh, that way that he can lose the weight and, oh, and get just, healthy again. Right, because it, it, he was just like, he was miserable. Because he said the the first, like, first month or so is fun. <laughs> or the first couple weeks are fun. And then after that, it's just hard to well, gain it. Oh, yeah, because you got to, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the human body cannot withstand that and then, much. And then once you gain the weight, you have to, like, sort of maintain it and keep it on for the shoot right and so mm-hmm. um, uh, this is a stupid movie but uh, Jared Leto went through a similar thing oh with that for one for chapter 27 yeah, the where one, yeah Mark David Chapman yeah he said that he had to be in a wheelchair because his legs were really? his knees because it's not used to I don't know if you guys have ever seen Jared Leto in anything. He's usually oh, yeah. super, fuck that guy because he's super fucking ripped. Yeah, he's super skinny. And so uh, when he gained all of that weight for that movie, it just crushed him because his knees aren't used to that. And, you know, 
I know. Whatever. Then you see the Morbius trailer, and he looks like a fucking Calvin Klein model. Yeah, so it's the it's piece a, of shit. It's a similar thing. I mean, I love you, Jared Leto, but fuck you. It's a similar thing. So um, just to show that, you know, that weight gain does really put a lot of tension on the body. And so he... Um, well, and that especially good. with older Jake LaMotta, Robert, I was finding less and less... I couldn't see Robert anymore. Mm. Younger Lamada, I was like, yeah, I can. Yeah, it's uh, De Niro. Yeah, I mean, he had the nose prosthetic to to get to get rid of the arch in his nose to give him the kind of the flat nose. But I was like, oh, that's De Niro. But the 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 older he got, especially in that opening shot, I was like, that's not De Niro. Like Jeremy tricked me. This is the, and then it immediately cuts to 1941. And I'm yeah. like, oh wait, that is. It's a great smash cut. I, I really like the the juxtaposition between him backstage getting ready in 64 and then right to the ring in 41 and they're like two different people you're exactly right you know and, and can I just say I just want to say this a little history it's just so crazy that the real Jake LaMotta went from a middleweight champion boxer to a stand-up comedian <laughs> that is such a, a such a weird career. You know, well, like, I mean, it was his place. I mean, it's like, yeah, I guess stand-up comedian—that's a stretch. But I, I would say that you know, a, a showman, nonetheless, for his established, you know, like nightclub or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say that. I, I wouldn't necessarily go that far to say comedian, but yeah. Well, um, it, when I was doing some more reading about his life, they—they they call him a stand-up comedian. <laughs> Even though, especially when they show him. In that dive bar towards the end of the film, oh, yeah. he's not getting any laughs no. whatsoever. Uh, it's just I don't know. It's just such a weird. I mean, it's such a strange life, especially for a guy who who only just passed away three years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, he. It's just wow. I mean, yeah, I know. Because it's almost like the two don't collate. You know, a boxer turned comedian. Well, I mean, that sort of tells you. You know, sort of, you know, it's almost like he, well, it's not almost like it is absolutely like he just self-sabotaged his entire life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And it starts with as soon as he retires. Yeah, he gains all this weight. Yeah. I mean, he just completely stops, right? Um, and, And then, of course, you know, then he just decides... To sabotage, you know, his relationships also with his brother and um, then with his wife. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, I did read that the real Jake LaMotta and his his real wife, Vicky, did have a very nasty divorce. Um, And and you can kind of get a little bit of that. Yeah. In the movie, especially when he comes over and de-jewels his championship belt. I mean, and I love that they don't play that. As you know, like there's no like swell of this soft, sad music, like, oh my god, look, he worked so hard for this, now he's pawning. You, I mean, it's just it's done so fast that yeah. you're like, well, he's pawning his uh, his belt, why is he doing you know what I mean? And it's almost an afterthought to him. He's like, oh, where's that belt? I worked so hard for, mm-hmm. you know, because again, once he got it, it's just like, what now, right? Yeah, and so he's really lost all sense of what he used to be. Is when he just pawns that belt just like that. Yeah, yeah. It, and and you know what's so funny is he doesn't even pawn the belt. He just pawns the the jewels yeah. that were on it, which and even the guy says, "Well, if I had the belt, maybe." Yeah, yeah. And 
Uh, so I feel like there's a little bit that he He's wanted like, yeah, to hold yeah, on to yeah, the yeah. belt, but not enough to where he wouldn't de-jewel it or... I'm probably using the wrong terms here. No, I don't. So, do you want to talk about that final fight now? I do, yeah. But first. But first. Um, I want to play a little game called Did You Notice? <laughs> um, Did you notice? <laughs> I know you're a fan of the Big Lebowski. Yes. No one can see you pointing. Did you see John Turturro? What? John Turturro is in the movie, yeah. No shit. Okay, so when they go to the dance... Um, when he tells his wife, you know, they're wearing like the tuxedos or whatever. And All they're right. like, oh, going like, out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when they're at the table, John Turturro's at the table. <laughs> he even, I mean, his face is facing the camera. Like you can even see Son his face. Son of a bitch. I'm yeah. going to have to rewatch it again. Okay. I mean, it's a good thing you gave me a copy so I can rewatch yeah, yeah, yeah. it whenever I want to. It's awesome. I was like, that's John Turturro. You know? That's the Jesus Oh my God, you know, that's Barton Fink. What the hell, you know? Um, and so that was just a fun, did you notice that John Turturro was in the movie for two seconds? It was just like a, they needed an extra. Because I'm assuming... So, I mean, they're just using, you know, um, New York actors. No, because I'm assuming John also in the 80s wasn't doing a lot. No, he was super young, but it's obvious it's him. I mean, it's Well, John like, has a very distinguishable face. That's true. Even as he's gotten older, like, if, if you go back and, and it you reminded watch, me how old he actually is because when I saw him, I mean, he was still grown. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're like, wow, that's like 80. I know. He and then looks, you see, you know, like, like, set pictures from the Jesus Rolls movie, which I don't think they should have made, but yeah. uh, he still looks very similar. Yeah. So that was my, that was my fun did you notice? Um, and you did not. That's true. Uh, apparently, yeah. I'm going to have to rewatch that now. Well, just, I mean, just do the scene. And you're going to be like, what? You know, you're going to, yeah, you're going to lose your mind. It's right. the Jesus. Let's talk about the fight. So. The, the, the third fight? That they show with Sugar Ray. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not the third fight in their careers together. No. Yeah, because they kind of, they, they say it in that in the third fight. Like, oh, you know, they've been fighting between 1945 and 1947. These guys were it when it came to boxing rivals. Mm -hmm. They were it. And uh, so whenever time they fought each other, it was a huge deal because these guys were the best and they always gave it their all in these fights. So would, would you say it's like whenever Conor McGregor fights someone? Is that is, What's his first fucking name? Conor McGregor, you're right. Oh, okay. I mean, I wouldn't know who his rival would be. But, I don't. Uh, but the fact I don't is, really follow you. It's a big deal because it's both of them together, right? Right. Um, and so, like I said earlier, with the chocolate syrup, uh, that was a Hitchcock thing, right? Right. Uh, yeah, for cause, Psycho. Yeah, because I read that it needed to stand out on the black and white film. Right. Um, so what they did for that final, the final few seconds of fighting is they took the shower scene from Psycho and they mapped out the shot, the shot count. They mapped out what was shown, what wasn't. And that's what they used. Really? So it is like on a grid. It's like shot for shot, like the, the organization of it and the shot count and things like that. Okay. It, and so that's why the shots are so fast. And there's a bunch of them all together, right? Um, when Sugar Ray is just yeah. demolishing Jake, right. right? But of course, never knocked him down. But that's neither here nor there. Um, and so it's meant to be 
Janet Lee getting stabbed to death in the in, oh, that's cool. in the shower, right? Um, they just loved the idea of, of this, you know, these thirty or whatever cuts uh-huh. for this one moment, right? Which I absolutely loved, and I also love the um, the the POV shot of Sugar Ray mm-hmm. and where the the background and foreground, you know. Um, move back and forth, right? Right. Uh, which is done by zooming in. Uh, so the camera is further back and you zoom in on him, right? Mm-hmm. And you zoom out and push the camera forward at the same time. Oh. And that's what gives that effect. I know we've seen it in a lot of movies before, but that's how you do it. Okay. Um, that's just a fun little film school thing for anybody listening and who cares. Yeah, man. Dude, that fight was... It's pretty brutal. Yeah, because I'm trying to think, trying to find the right words because you know, he's already got Jake on the ropes, but it's almost like Jake is like, just, just come on, just do it, just fucking do it. Yeah, and because he's done, right? Uh, mentally, he's just done. So let's mm-hmm. get it over with. Uh, and you know, for for the '80s and using. Uh, I'm assuming they, they were using blood rigs for, like, when he hits him up here in the eye and the blood squirts out. Yes. Now, that, of course, is unrealistic because um, they did it for a guy's nose also earlier in the movie. The, the guy he – Jake was really trying to yeah. break his nose. Yeah. And uh, no one's nose ever bleeds like that. But yeah, the blood it's just would cinematic. Just, the blood would just go down. Yeah, it's it? just cinematic. Yeah. Right? And so they're kind of showing with those kind of – twin riggings or whatever Mm -hmm. um, that Jake's in trouble just like that guy was in trouble right and so much so that his you know eyebrow is you know gushing blood well and and I really love the shot where I think it's when Sugar Ray hits him across the face and the blood goes across all the announcers oh yeah I I was like that's pretty cool that's that's pretty tight (laughs) yeah uh, I mean the I mean that's again one of the things that Scorsese loved about boxing was all the blood. It was crazy. He didn't he wasn't picturing that. Yeah, you know, and this is just kind of a sidebar. I don't understand boxing just as much as I don't understand UFC. Like I I don't I don't get it. <laughs> I really don't. Like two dudes get in a ring and they just punch each other. I don't I don't get it. I mean there are there are rules set in place, you know? Mm-hmm. Um the, the reason, if you've ever watched boxing, I don't know if you have or not. Uh, I've seen a few. The reason that uh, they have initials on the uh, the tape, uh-huh. on the wrist, is um, someone, a part of the boxing organization, comes in and watches them put their hand in the glove and lace it and wrap it. And that's them signing off that he's not holding anything in his hand. Mm-hmm. The glove is regulation. There's he nothing have in like the a glove. Quarters in his fist or anything. Right. You know what I mean? So I mean, there there are rules set in place, and it is sort of I don't know. It's sorry. Um, it is I don't know. Sort of. Uh, it, it's unique that it's 
yes, it's just two men fighting each other, but with the understanding that they have to follow these guidelines mm-hmm. and they have it's the it's the physicality, it's the almost ballet like structure of the way that they have to move. And yeah. right? Yeah, I mean like <laughs> Like I like I get that part. Like you know, like like the artist I like Watsky. He has a song called Midnight Hearts, and in the music video, he's he's boxing, but they choreograph it as more of a uh, as a fight mm-hmm. or as a, as a dance. But you know, he's boxing, and you know the point being that boxing is a lot like ballet. And but it just, well, I guess when I say when I don't get the point, I just I don't get the point. I don't get the point of like why would you get like. Like, why? Like, it's hard for me to describe. Like, I just don't understand the point of physically, like, how is that a sport? Then that is the short way of saying um, that you would have never done it in the first place. Yeah. Those who go into it, those who watch it, those who know the sport get it. And it's hard to explain. Yeah. Because, like, I can explain, you know, baseball you know, like football and and basketball to an extent. But if if someone were to come to me and be like, yo, explain to me what boxing is, I couldn't tell them. Because I'd be like, you get in a ring and you fight. And if they're like, well, why? I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure when boxing was first invented, there was a, a reason behind it, you know. You know, because also, you know, Back in the you know the twenties, was bare knuckle boxing. Mm-hmm. You know they had no gloves. You know the only reason why they have gloves is because I'm sure <clears throat> men broke their hands <laughs> punching so hard. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I honestly don't know the the reason in the switch to to gloves. I I wish I did because that would be cool. That'd be a cool little piece of information to give right now. But I can assume. I can assume it's not only for safety but it may also to be to prolong the fight the fight yeah because fights are too short if you're if you're breaking your hand and you know snapping zygomatic bones in your cheek or whatever yeah i mean i have been hit with a boxing glove before oh it's not fun it's not but it it, It it, hurts yeah but it wouldn't have hurt as if someone were to come up and actually yeah um and again, that's just speculation on my part. I, I have no idea no. why they went from bare knuckle to gloves. No clue. Do you think Martin Scorsese used some of the stuff that he learned in uh, Gangs of New York in that bare knuckle Ooh, boxing maybe. scene? Oh, that's a great question. I don't know. Uh, I also think that's the first time he ever worked with DiCaprio. Yeah. Um, and he, Daniel Day-Lewis. He does have... Oh, I counted today... <laughs> And I don't remember the count. It was like nine to five, like nine De Niro movies and like five DiCaprio movies. Like he's still, yeah, De Niro still hasn't beat by a lot. Yeah. Um, But again, this is the reason I wanted to do this mm -hmm. is I, I wanted to have you personally okay have a an emotional connection when you see De Niro and Pesci together. Okay. Um, because that is the power of our last film that we're going to do. I mean, I, I I loved their chemistry together. You know, I really bought that they could be brothers in real life. You know, I, I, even without the prosthetic on Robert's nose, 
I would believe that they were brothers mm-hmm. at some point. Um, because, I, I, you know, I love Joe Pesci. You know, of course, I haven't seen a lot of movies of him uh, not pandering to kids. You know, the oh, first, well, then this is going to be great. The first two movies I'd ever seen of him growing up was Home Alone and Home Alone 2. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen Gone Fishing. Uh, my Cousin Vinny, in my opinion, is probably one of my favorite Joe Pesci movies. That'll change. Um, but that's really all I've seen of him, you know. And so this really blew my mind. And, of course, you and everyone else has told me that Joe Pesci you know, says fuck more than any other actor. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he said it a lot in Raging Bull. It's only going to get more uh, when, we, <laughs> when we go to the next one because um, – and we're upping the terrifying factor. So, yeah, he's... Oh, we didn't even talk about how terrifying he got in this. Well, yeah, I mean, he, you know, he did that, you know, sort of fake out with the apology and then smashes the, the glass. glass on his face. Yeah, yeah bro. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's all calm now. It's all good. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. You know, it's all... It was just my brother's wife, you know. And then he gets in close and then just... Boom! Right? Um... Oh, you know what? Okay, let's 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 make this section right here the "Oops, I forgot" section because uh, I we didn't even talk about him throwing the fight, which is a huge deal. Yes, that he throws this fight. Uh, mm-hmm. He is the only boxer, was maybe the only boxer at the time to admit to throwing a fight. A fight. Yeah, yeah I did read that he. Um he came out and he said, like, yeah, no, the mob wanted me to throw the fight. Yeah. And, like, even helped. And that I, fight is shot really interesting because it's so obvious that he is so much better than this guy. And mm-hmm. he has to lose to this guy, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, because he even points out, he's like, you know, I barely even tap him twice and he's stumbling all over the place. He's a bum. He's a bum, right? And that word is very significant. Yeah. Uh, because Scorsese uh, used on the waterfront... Uh, as sort of a, a style uh, for Jake. Um, and it's, I mean, it shows. And yeah. especially at the very end when he starts reciting the monologue from On the Waterfront, um, which is something that he would do all the time, uh, Jake Lamata. You know, yeah. Is, is Raging Bull the, the movie, you know, because I was th- really thinking about it, is it the movie that, like, a lot of people get the, you know, it used to be a contender. Or is it from the... It's from On the Waterfront. On the Waterfront, okay. Yeah, it's from On the Waterfront. Um, and and Jake LaMotta was a big fan of that movie also. Okay. And so he would recite monologues and things like that from the movie. I guess to get himself... No, he would do it like on stage or ah. whatever. You know, like at his place. Um, For his stand-up special? Right. <laughs> Uh, and so it was really interesting to watch De Niro play Jake LaMotta, who's intimi- uh, who's uh, imitating, um, oh my God, Marlon Brando, sorry, uh, oh. who's imitating Brando, right? Because Brando was the guy not on, on the waterfront. And and so it, in that very last scene, you know, you're watching this this actor play someone imitating someone else, which Don't, is a, which is especially funny. Okay. Whew. Because Robert De Niro plays a younger Marlon Brando like three years prior to this. Yeah. That's fucking funny, dude. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like how how the universe lined up for Robert De Niro for this movie. Yeah, you're right. Because he is in Godfather Godfather Part Part 2. And he's a young 
Don Corleone. Yeah. Oh my god, dude. Oh. Yeah, so that's fun. Um, I didn't even think about that. But uh, yeah, I just like the, the skill, the act, the acting yeah. skill to do that is is fun. And I, I've read in many places that he's one of those method actors who uh, stays Deniro? in character. Yeah. Um, whether I don't know to what extent, uh, but I, I do feel I feel like not as not yeah. as hard as some other method actors, Christian Bale, um, <laughs> Jared Leto. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, especially now, you know. Before we get back into the "Oops, I Forgot" section, you know, I love Robert De Niro so much. And of course, you know, I don't know what it's like in the movie business for real. You know, we we got our little 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 taste when we visited set, but. You know, the reason why I'm bringing this up is like when me and Ashley went and saw New Mutants, we saw a trailer for a movie called Fighting with Grandpa. It's apparently based on some fucking book. I've never heard of it. Uh, and the whole point of it is like the granddad comes to live with his uh, his wife, his, not his wife, his daughter and her husband and kids because like he's just getting on in years. And, and so like the son, the grandson feels like his granddad is like, I don't know, trying to like control this. I don't fucking know. Okay, the movie looks dumb, and I'm just disappointed that Robert De Niro agreed to be in the movie. That's the point I'm making. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, welcome back to the, the oops, I forgot section. Yeah, so I, I still want to, you know, just a little bit more of the, the, the fight that he threw, because the mm-hmm. way it's shot is meant to be sort of awkward, meant to be a little, I mean, it's different, right? Right. It's so obvious he's not hitting this guy, right? The the other fighter or Jake? Jake, he, he's not hitting him, right? Because like you were saying, you know. Because Jake like, does hit him once. Yeah. And he gets him kind of in the temple area, but the guy's already like, uh, uh. like come on, man, I barely hit you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so it, it's a real shame that, and I'm not sure if it was really like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, they took a lot of uh, creative liberties. Yeah. Right. But um, at the very at the very end, when he's in the locker room, he's sobbing. Yeah. Right. Because he's so ashamed, and. He just hates that it had to be someone who is so much worse then, at this than he is, mm-hmm. right? And and it would be so hard for someone else like Joey to understand. Because even when they get back home, Joey's like, put your hands up. And then he falls down and goes, was that hard? How hard is that? He goes, you don't understand. Like the yeah. guy's, you know. It, he's a bum, you know. He's... He, it's so frustrating, right? Mm-hmm. And as the audience, we get it because we were in the ring with them and the guy's not even trying. Trying, yeah. Right? Even when Jake gives him an opening, like, come on. Well, let's go. The yeah. guy's barely swinging. Barely He's- hitting him, right? And uh, and so it's just, it. of course it had to be him, right? Mm-hmm. This had to be the fight to throw, you know? And then the, the newspaper says that he's being investigated by the... Uh, the, by the boxing organization. Yeah, because yeah, um, yeah, they suspend him right. for two years. Oh, that's right. And I'm trying to think if this is where we get the... Uh, no, it's not. That comes later. Uh, or before. The uh, the home movie sequence. Oh, yeah. yeah uh, which that, I, I love the way that they do this. This is another... Oops, I forgot. Uh, the, home, the home movie sequence is shot in color. Yeah, the only time we get color in the whole movie. Uh, and it's because Jake had a color 16 millimeter 
film camera. That's cool. And so um, Scorsese did a lot of work to make it look as authentic as possible with not only the color timing, but also the deterioration of the film stock. Mm-hmm. So he personally scratched the... The, the film, film, right, and made it look like it had been repaired a few times, and just to give it that authenticity. Yeah, because it's. I I definitely felt like the reason why this, especially, was in color, is to give us kind of this lull in 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 in. Jake's very happy right now. He just got married, remarried. Happy, the happiest he'll ever be. Mm-hmm. He just got remarried. Him and Vicky are good. They're strong. No fighting. Jake or Joey just got married. You know, they're having Joey's wedding. They all live together. They all, you know, get a house together. Joey and his wife and Vicky and Jake. And an inner cut is stills of the fights, fights. Yeah. Which I loved. I love that they weren't moving pictures, right? They right. were just stills, multiple stills, right? Mm-hmm. And not necessarily professional looking still photography because, I mean, it's, you know... It's blurry. Right. It's... And, you know, it's that, I don't know what it's called, but the, uh, you know, if the, the subject is moving mm-hmm. when you take the picture, you know, it looks sort of... Well, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't think um, of I can't think of the technical term. Because, you know, because Jake's winning those fights as well. Right. And so, so he's on top of his game, both professionally and... Personally, Personally, right? Yeah. Um, and then, of course, it's never going to be that good. Yeah, Again, the very next scene we get is him and Joey arguing about his weight. Right. Which I thought was very funny because he's like, you told him I was 155 and 168. I was like, bro, I'd love to be 168. Uh, well, boxing, it, it matters all Oh, yeah, yeah, I know, especially at the weigh-in. That I do know. I do know what weight you are matters, but I just love what Joe Pesci says to him. Just stop eating, you fat bastard. Yeah, stop eating. Is that hard, you know? And, and, you know, for someone like us, it's like, yeah, that's hard. He's he's just got to trim off 13 pounds. Uh, But, you know, we already, then in that, we're already getting some tension between him and Vicky because he asked for a coffee three times. And on that third time, he's like, what are you doing? Give me a coffee. Yeah. Uh, and I do love, I, I do love the uh, same kind of what you're saying about Brooklyn accents. I do love it when they repeat themselves. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. In, in our next film, there's going to be a guy called, oh, man, was it uh, Joey Two Times? And it's because he says everything twice. <laughs> he goes, I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. Um uh, which is in our next movie that we're gonna do, but uh, it's <laughs> again. If you loved this uh, this Brooklyn accent a thon, uh, then I it's mean, about to get gear up, man, because the next one is uh, like I don't know, three times this. So uh, it's excellent. So I can't wait for that. But uh, so Jeremy, have we concluded our oops I forgot section? I think so because uh, I'm looking at I'm gonna drag this mic over here. So I'm looking at my notes. I. I think I got everything. Um, yeah, because I got the John Turturro stuff that you need to go back and look at. <laughs> um, home movies in color, I got that. Fighting in the ring, got it, got it, got it. Oh, uh, POV shots of Jake. Let's. Uh, this will be the last thing because I got to everything else. Okay. Every POV shot for Jake is in slow motion. Yeah. So if we are seeing something that Jake is looking at. It is in slow motion. It's not necessarily the same frame rate every time, but it is slower. 
So they either up it up to 35, they up it up to 40 frames per second. Um, yeah, like when he's uh, when he's in the sauna sweating out the weight i did i didn't i didn't catch it at first but then yeah like he's seeing his trainer coming but in slow motion because when we cut to jake he's normal you know he's in the normal frame rate but when we cut back to his trainer he's barely walking in the door right and then they start talking but they keep 24 frames per second sound which Mm -hmm. i loved um so if if we are seeing something that jake is looking at it's the sound doesn't change, but the frame rate changes, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're seeing, we're like, if we hear someone put down a glass, we'll mm-hmm. see it in a second, right? Or but whatever. We'll hear, but we'll hear the but glass. We'll hear it first, the right? Glass. And it's because it's, you know, this sort of idea that it it's, again, his suspicion, his paranoia, mm-hmm. his rage, right? This is. The personification of that also is his uh, POV shots being in slow motion. Yeah. Uh, but again, just the frame rates, just the the visuals, not the audio. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a great movie, man. I This movie has so much to offer. I, I was reading that apparently initially when the film first came out, people were kind of like, hmm, okay. And then it just took off. Mm-hmm. Like people were like, oh my God, this is so good. Scorsese uh, hit it out of the park. Robert De Niro hit it out of the park. Um, now, I know I mentioned it earlier with that other movie about Jake LaMotta. Because I know he wasn't he hadn't passed away when that movie came out. Do you know if he said anything about that no, one? I have no idea. No, okay. I was just curious. I honestly, I think I realized this movie existed today. But the the bull the the Bronx Bull. Yeah, I, I saw that earlier today, and I yeah. was like, oh no, I'm not even gonna look at it because it, it has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Well, see, it, well, see, what's so crazy is when you told me you were gonna do this, I remember um, a movie with Miles Tiller um, where he played yes. a boxer, and I was like, wait, is that was that like a remake or was that like another interpretation? But then he's playing like a completely different boxer. Which apparently that movie has like a whole set of problems too, because apparently the boxer he's playing sued that movie for some shit. I don't know. Hmm. That's interesting. So, so I'm assuming Jake LaMotta was very vocal about how much he loved this movie. Yeah, he was heavily involved, like I said, with the the fight consulting, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but again, once they got into the personal stuff, they told him he he doesn't need to stay for that, and he understood, which is really cool that he that he understands this sort of you know we're gonna take some licensing yeah this dramatic licensing and understanding that we are gonna we're gonna tell your story the best way we can yeah we're gonna tell your story it's just not gonna be exactly like how it happened that's impossible yeah yeah because I'm assuming again like I said we haven't you know we don't know everything that happens in the movie business but I'm sure most biopics uh, the person that the movie's being made about probably wants to be very heavily involved the only other movie, the only other biopic, sports biopic especially, that I know of that the subject uh, wasn't, like, they, they, they kept him up to date, but he wasn't around for the shooting was Eddie the Eagle. Mm. Um, like, they consulted with him and things like that, but he, he, he pretty much trusted Matthew Vaughn and Dexter Fletcher to... I know you guys will handle it. I trust you. Yeah. You know, and uh, I know that that's uh, 
Someone coughing. Uh, Sorry, if anyone knew that, that was my wife coughing. um, She she doesn't have the Rona. She just coughs because she has asthma. (laughs) She has Uh, weak lungs. So, um, in the... And... Sorry. Did I throw you off? No. In the the Blu-ray that I got, it it comes with these uh, stills from the set, Uh right? Uh, Behind the scenes, you know, photographs. Mm -hmm. And there is one with... Uh, De Niro, LaMotta, and Scorsese. And LaMotta looks fantastic in those. So he must have lost a lot of weight in between, you know, 64 and 80. Um, yeah. Because he lost a bunch of weight. But it, obviously it was in the ring and they were, you know, going over choreography and filming the actual fight scenes. Yeah, man. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, Robert De Niro looked great. <laughs> like I said, man, he was a hottie with a body. Yeah, dude. dude I said the same thing great. about... Alec Baldwin and Beetlejuice. You are going to love... Okay, I'm going to give you a not podcast-related assignment, and that's to oh, watch no. Cape Fear, because he is jacked, jacked. In, Cape, in Cape Fear. Yeah. De Niro. Uh, the remake, obviously, of Cape Fear. Uh, Ashley asked me the other day, uh, today, she was like, what? Because I call him Robert De Money. She's like, why do you call him that? I'm like, because De Niro is money in Spanish. And she was like, oh... And it's a joke I stole from How I Met Your Mother because uh, Barney uses the wrong uh, term for money in Spanish. Or no, he calls it lira. He's like, I just know in Spain they use lira. And Ted goes, that's De Niro. And he's like, where? Where is he? <laughs> and so, yeah, Robert Robert Money. Robert De Money. Yeah, Robert Money. Uh, so, Jeremy. Yeah. What is going to be part two of this Martin Scorsese uh, series. I respect my audience, and I know that they figured it out already, but it's Goodfellas. Uh, we are going to do Goodfellas uh, the next time. Uh, said to be one of the greatest mob movies of all time. Uh, I was telling my mom that we were going to talk about Goodfellas, and uh, she's like, she's like, you haven't seen it, right? I was like, no, no, I know. I'm, I'm a terrible... Terrible son. I haven't seen Goodfellas. I was like, but I do know that the Ray Liotta was in it, who I love dearly. I, I love Ray Liotta. Oh, you're gonna love um, And I, even though I hate, even though you, I still don't believe you when you say you love this movie. I hate B movie. I love B movie so much. But I do love the joke <laughs> when Ray Liotta is on the on the stand and Barry is like, "This is not a good fella. This is a bad fella." That's right. Uh, yes, no, I genuinely really like There's no way. the movie B movie. There's no way. With Jerry Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> genuinely, I love it. Uh, yeah, Goodfellas next uh, next week. It'll be very exciting. I love this movie very much. And if you think that that little shot of Joe Pesci being scary, this movie is all Joe Pesci being scary. And nice. you're going to be terrified of him. I'm... I'm I'm much excited. Oh yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Well, uh, we hope everyone enjoyed Raging Bull, uh, part one of our four-part series, and we will see you next week for Goodfellas. Mm-hmm.